Welcome back into another weekly edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast, out of the bye week, into week 11 we go, Muhammad Ahmad joined by Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik. and if you haven't already, again, Cincinnati Football Insider, make sure you sign up for it, it's a 14 day free trial to start, you'll get exclusive insights and bonus content on the Bengals every day from the largest group of journalists covering the team. It's only $4.99 a month, but you won't be charged for that until the end of that trial. Sign up by going to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or you can text 513-949-4147. And as we enter week 11, it's Steelers week, part two. Interestingly, the Bengals, as of this morning, are five and a half point favorites, which is the largest spread in favor of the Bengals at Pittsburgh in the team's history. The last highest spread was four and a half points at Pittsburgh in 1986. I think a big help for the Bengals would be the fact that DJ Reader is back and practicing. He said he felt good about where he was. Uh, he said he doesn't know if there's going to be sort of a limited snap count and what that's going to look like. Of course, there's no guarantee he'll play Sunday, although all signs are pointing towards that. So, I mean, how much of an impact does he make, whether it's through just limited snaps or just being in the whole game? I mean, how does that change the defense for the Bengals on Sunday? Yeah, the I mean, the Steelers are not very good offensively. Um, Kenny Pickett, I don't think, is, is, a, is a good kind of a quarterback at this point. Um, I don't think he will be one, but that's a conversation for a different day. But So, I mean, I think right now they've struggled to run the ball, um, but Najee Harris did almost have 100 yards, so like, Getting him back, I think, matters in, like, Mike brought this point up, but when we were talking about it last week, like, getting him back into the lineup, just, it, it gives you an extra, an extra week, basically, because you're going to play Derrick Henry and the Titans in a, you know, a week after the Steeler game, and you need him there. Uh, but he's a great run defender. I mentioned this on our uh, defensive stuff, um, like our takeaways podcast and things like that. You need an interior pass rush, and I think that he can kind of help with that. And I also think that he can help with Trey Hendrickson and, and Sam Hubbard because if you have a guy who's eating up double teams in the middle, all of a sudden Trey Hendrickson, it's a it's a hell of a lot harder to, you know, you can put the center and the guard on him, but – it's, you know, you, what are you going to do? Put a center and a guard on him and then a tight end and a tackle on Trey Hendrickson. Well, it, you just run out of math there. So to me, uh, I think it's it's a big boost. You run out of you math. Run out of math. You, run out of you run out of numbers but, there. But the n- math numbers are math infinite. Still yeah. Numbers are does infinite. It, does math still exist? Uh, you mentioned the run game. Uh, they're averaging 108 yards per game, 4.2 yards per carry uh, through nine games. Um you know, it's interesting that you, you look back at that first game. They only sacked Trubisky once. Uh, now they have a less mobile quarterback in Kenny Pickett. Um, so that uh, getting to him, he's been sacked 12 times the last two games. Uh, and, you know, the Bengals haven't gotten home very much. I think Reader will help that a little bit, even if he's on a snap count. Uh, put him in, in those third down uh, pass rush situations. Help out, uh, like you said, Hendrickson and, and Hubbard. You, you want to keep pressuring him. Uh, they got a nice win over New, uh, a bad New Orleans team last week, kind of salvaged kind of the, you know, they've been struggling since that opener uh, against the Bengals, and you don't want to give them any more signs of life here. Uh, but Peter, I think, helps that. Uh, against a, a rookie quarterback, you definitely want to pressure him as much as you can, make him make those quicker decisions. And even if he's, you know, 15 to 20 snaps, I think that uh, that'll help this week. 
and help going forward as, as they can you know, try to knock the rust off. Yeah, and I mean, Pittsburgh's offense, Mitchell Trubisky was not any good anyway. Um, but he was mobile, and he, could, he, was, he escaped he, he in that could, first he game. Could, you could get him he out of the pocket. He made a couple key plays by extending, extending the play uh, with his legs that were just enough for them to escape here with the win. So, yeah. um, you know, Pickett is not not like he's not Tom Brady level, not mobile, right. but he's not Trubisky where Trubisky, right. you know, really can scramble. Well, in the Bengals' defense, I mean, they only allowed 16 points to the Steelers in Week One. I, they, the final score was 23-20. I know uh, it was just that pick six. So, like. The Steelers' offense is not good, um, and then compared to the last time, I mean, we're talking about this now. Like Chase Claypool is not there; he was in Week One, so you have a, a weapon that's kind of gone away. They can't run the ball, so adding Reader, I think, into that mix, it, I think it's an emotional boost too. I think that kind of goes understated sometimes. Um, you get a guy who is a veteran player, who players like. I think that that matters. I think you can kind of, you know settle things down on the sideline a little bit with him just it, just in terms of his leadership things that he brings that are you know not really quantifiable well most of the injury news has been bad lately for them this is right. kind of positive exactly also, uh you know michael Hilton wasn't asked about but i mean he said basically the locker room he's going to play so uh you get him it's back Pittsburgh as well. and Mike Hilton's yeah, play. yeah. And you, you know he said last week that that as well uh you get him back you get reader back um that, that's just Sort of moving in the right direction as opposed to the last few weeks where you felt like you were losing somebody uh, big every week, and now you can kind of get some reinforcement here, and I think that helps everybody down the line, uh, especially at defensive tackle where they were playing. You know, basically rookies, uh, you know, first-year player and, and Zach Carter get most of the snaps uh, at Carolina. Um, so you know, getting that veteran presence, like you said, back in the huddle. Uh, I think is important. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we talked earlier, I think it was a few weeks ago, about just B.J. Hill playing the most snaps he's ever played. Obviously, he's going to do that because he's built for that. But I think if you're B.J. Hill, you can kind of take a step back and breathe a little because, you know, you're getting the best reinforcement you can get by your side. And I think the good thing with having those players like Jay Tufeli and those younger players, you know, who come out to practice squad to fill in alongside Zach Carter, you know, you give them that depth, you give them that experience, but ultimately you don't want to rely on that. You want to rely on, I think you could argue the best nose tackle in the NFL. Some of his teammates would say that. I would agree that DJ Reader, if he's not there already, is on his way to being the best uh, nose tackle at his position. So you, you ease that off, you spread the wealth there. And, you know, we talk about how it looks like Trey Hendrickson has more sacks than he does. You know, I think he has three and a half or four. He has four right now. It looks like he has more than that. And he's probably going to add up onto that because, like you said, that's a funny point you made about you run out of math. At some point, like, if you run out of math, Trey Hendrickson, he's not going to run out of room. He's just going to keep going until he gets to, you know, in this case, Kenny Pickett and down the line, you know, Malik Willis or whoever. And that's, that's a big help for you know, just those interior guys or the outside rushers, you know, from the interior. And with Kenny Pickett, there really isn't anything flashy about him. I mean, this is an interesting stat. As far as expected points added goes per play among quarterbacks, he's 34th. Trubisky is not much farther behind him. He's at 37. So, yeah, neither one of them have been that great. You guys compared and contrasted, you know, their skill sets, especially when it comes to running the ball. But, you know, I guess with that, you know, that is some good news to have up front, but you still don't have Chidobia Wuzie. You know, Dax Hill is week to week. Trey Flowers practice, which is a good sign. That's another day to day type of thing. So, so at that point, how much does the D line really have to step up much more now that you have Reader back well, to prevent those plays? Uh, I mean, well, first things first, I, I wouldn't call him 
on his way to one of the best nose guards in the league um, because you've got Quinn Williams, you've got Dexter Lawrence uh, off the top of my head, uh, Jordan Davis in Philly. Um, but, I, I mean, I think it is worth pointing out that, like, nose guard is not a position that the guys that have filled in B.J. Hill, uh, Jay Tufele, Josh Tupo, like, that, that is – they're three-tech defensive linemen, and that's a different position. Um, it's similar, but it's it's kind of like playing right guard and right tackle. It's, you know, I, a lot of people, I think, just kind of look at that and say, oh, well, you know, you can move a guy here and there and all – you know, and no, like, some, it's, it, it's a difference. So um, – I, I think that that just kind of it, it settles everything into place um, and with that it maybe you don't have to blitz as much because you're not going to need I don't blitz very much to begin with r- right, right but I'm saying like you're it, like in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback you might be able to do that with four now and that's going to be big because like you said you don't have Cheeto um, Dax Hill I don't know like the, the Dax Hill thing is not a terrible loss can like with like with all due respect to Dax Hill because he just doesn't play a lot um so like getting the corners healthy depth wise is going to be big because now you have you have Eli Apple you have Cam Taylor Britt uh you have Trey Flowers you have Mike Hilton you have Jalen Davis you're good there like numbers wise you're okay there we when we were talking about the Panther game we were sitting there like guys I don't know if they have enough numbers to feel like we're, we're talking like they're one heartbeat away from like safeties moving down and playing all kinds of different weird formations so to me that's that's a big thing it's just going to be is the quality there um so I, I don't know that I mean you're going to need to kind of wreck some havoc on on opposing offensive lines and quarterbacks because we've said this all year look at the stretch that you have coming up pick it if I'll say it pick it sucks so like and the Steelers offense sucks so you don't like obviously you have to be concerned about it divisional matchup I get all that but you're gonna play Tennessee after that then you're gonna play Kansas City you're gonna play Tampa Bay Cleveland too yeah you're gonna play Cleveland with With Sean Sean Watson who's back Um, you're gonna play uh, Buffalo down the stretch like you're gonna need you're gonna need pressure on these guys so uh, yeah, I, I mean, the big thing for them is you've got to get after the quarterback with four, I think, at this point, with the reader back. And with him back, there's not really many excuses left. I think they should blitz, though. I think they absolutely, yeah, uh, right. I mean, I think that these they've been reluctant to, especially when you play man coverage, it's hard to sort of uh, do that. Um, you know, you, you yeah, run but, a risk yeah. you know, of leaving something open. But, um, you know, against a guy like Joe Flacco, where they blitz kind of selectively, Felt like they got home every time they did, and against right. Pickett with a, a rookie, um, you, you know, can him. confuse him. And yeah. if Tannehill starts next week, it feels like those are the type of guys you want to, uh, because you have sort of the athleticism up front, and you bring that extra man. Right. Um, see it with Reader in place too. Just hard to get away from from that group that they, they're, they're sending. But um, they like this defensive system they got in place, and they kind of pick their spots. But uh, like you said, now you know you hope that. Uh, rushing with four with reader in place, you know, your success rate is that much higher. Right. Yeah, and if you look at pro football focus, uh, as far as like rushing numbers go, the Bengals as a team, their grade is just over 70, 70.4. And I think that could easily bump up a lot more once readers much more settled in into a rhythm like he was those first two and a half games uh, before he hurt his knee. But, you know, as far as impact goes, and I know uh, you can talk a little bit more about this, Michael, but before the bye week, we talked about a potential change at punter. It's no secret Kevin Huber is having some of the lowest numbers he's had since his rookie year and around that time. 
Drew Chrisman was practicing alongside Huber uh, in the Bengals' first practice back from the bye week. So, I mean, Michael, when you look at Kevin Huber, like, do you think he played his last game against Carolina, or do you think he still got a chance to maybe still keep punting against Pittsburgh? Well, I don't know. It, it'd be a different, I guess. You know, he he said he reiterated what uh, Darren Simmons told us that um, it's it's sort of a game issue, and that you know it's not all bad, right? Which is not ideal still because the game is what matters but he, here's how he described it the quote that i had in the story today uh practice and pre-game is like i'm driving uh game scratch golfer then i get in the game and i'm trying to tee off number one at augusta as a 20 handicap <laughs> um so uh, a lot of golf analogies with the uh, special teams but it's uh you know so he's and, and simmons said that in practice he's been fine the distance has been fine pre-game warm-ups the same way so it's not like he's you know at his age you kind of worry that it's gone you know that the it's a power issue that um it's physical um that there's something that there's something wrong but that's not a sort of a mental thing right now where he's he called it a disconnect um so you know given his longevity do they give him a longer rope i don't know uh you know throwing in uh what his second year player drew is at pittsburgh sort of second year uh, at pittsburgh uh, is a tough environment, um, you know, to play in, uh, high pressure, you know, maybe you stick with, you know, Huber a couple more games and, and try to get uh, Drew to debut at home, uh, to, to set it up like that, where it's, you know, you know, maybe against... Uh, or even in Nashville, where you're probably going to have better weather. Yeah, or, or, exactly. yeah, or the Browns, you know, a less of a sort of, uh, you know, that's a home game uh, against maybe a little lesser opponent. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that it's, you know, Zach Taylor, we should say, said today, kind of qualified it like an injury where it's day-to-day where they're evaluating the rest of the week and that decision will be made uh, as they go. Uh, but obviously still up in the air, obviously something to watch just because that is a position that, you know, when, when coaches are openly saying um, things got to change, then you have to sort of pay attention. I, I don't know if they'll change this week, um, but he's running out of time to sort of fix it. And his, you mentioned his numbers, like his net punting average had only been below 40 yards once in the last decade. So this would be the second time. Yeah, it, and I mean, if, if, if they do indeed make a replacement, um, their position, their skill position group, special teams group, God, I can't talk today. Uh, that's going to be a younger group. I mean, you got Cal Adamitis, who's a rookie. Uh, he actually played at Pitt. He'll be back home. Um, I talked to him today about that. Um, but he's like 24. Um, Drew Christman's 25. Evan McPherson is, is 24 is old for a rookie. Yeah, but compared to, I mean, you no, lose, I'm just saying you lose Clark well. Harris. I mean, the the COVID year for college. McPherson's 23. You know this better than anybody, mm-hmm. Mike. The COVID year from college has like. I mean, I have no idea what year anybody is anymore or how long well, they like can Hennon play Hooker, there. the Tennessee quarterback, is like... He's know, my he's, age. He's 25, I think. Have he's you seen him? He's players. older than me. He's one of the oldest quarterbacks in the country. Yeah. I think it was uh, from the movie Friday where it's like, you need to get up out of here and go get a job. Like, people are doing that with 25-year-olds. No, now, I mean, I was talking with somebody the other day. Uh, you, you're going to see more players stay because you could almost make more money in college than you can right. in certain yeah. ways. That's crazy. Uh, at the NFL level That's with the uh, name, image, and likeness. And so, um, you know, I don't know. But special teams players are are, yeah. are, are in that category. But I don't think uh, Cal Adamitis or... Uh, yeah, some yeah. older players, some y- younger older yeah, players. You could be, yeah, my point is you could be replacing Clark Harris and Kevin Huber, two guys who have been in the organization for a very long time. Since 2009. Yeah, two guys who have been Almost here for... 30 years of experience. Yeah, and, and now you're yeah. replacing them with Chrisman and, and, and Adamitis. So that would be interesting. And it might be where they don't want another question mark on a road game, right? Like Exactly. Just, you know, yes, Huber's not playing as well as he could... But you're not dealing with sort of a, 
you know, does you know because you could see how a special teams disaster like it did the first week against Pittsburgh can change the course of a game. So, um, you know, I guess it'd probably still I think be a slight slight surprise if they made a change this week, even though it was the bye, I guess. But I, I wouldn't rule anything out. Yeah, they they don't want those ghosts from week one to haunt them against Pittsburgh on the road. But when we come back on the Strictly Stripes podcast, we're gonna talk about what the Bengals Steelers rivalry will look like moving forward and what that game Sunday will mean. Plus, we'll have some more on rapid fire Q and A. You don't want to miss that when we return on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So, gentlemen, the AFC, after an interesting week 10 where the Bengals were just sitting back and watching with their popcorn, literally and figuratively, uh, it is wild and wacky. I mean, you have Buffalo who goes from number one to number six. Miami's number two. Kansas City's the top dog. Uh, Baltimore's still in first place in the north, so that doesn't change. But, I mean, just simply put, after all of that, I mean, can the Bengals win the division? And if not, I mean... What do their chances look like after that specific weekend? Well, the division, the division, I'm not as out on as Mike is. Like Mike, I think I remember, we've talked about this before on on here. Mike kind of washed it. Yeah, written, written he rode off. the division off, which is like, <laughs> which like which I don't think is necessarily like uh, invalid. To I, think yeah, about. I don't think it's I don't think it's a dumb point. I like I think it's got a lot of points because like there are no dumb points on here, Andrew. Uh, well, <laughs> depending um, on who you ask. Yeah, debatable. Um, but. The the Ravens play no one down the stretch, um, but yeah. So the but so if you want to consider the division out, you need Bengals fans need to be rooting for the Bills to win the AFC East because they have already beaten the Dolphins, they have already beaten the Jets, and both of those teams are currently in a playoff spot. The Dolphins are second, the Jets are fifth. Um, Dolphins obviously lead the AFC East. So you want a team like that to be in the tiebreaker because, like, let's just say for argument's sake that the Dolphins win the AFC East and the Bills beat the Bengals and get a wild card spot. Then all of a sudden, basically, what you're doing is you're trading a wild card team. Um, or, or you're trading a team with the in the AFC East that you have a tiebreaker with and that you don't have a tiebreaker with. So you're. You're kind of rooting for that. Aside from just beat the Bengals or Buffalo, you right, but you got to beat. If you don't beat them, you got to beat Buffalo. You got to beat Buffalo. You've got to beat New England. I mean, that's tough. Like the schedule here, the schedule here is really, really hard. Again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna consider the Colts right now until they show me some other stuff um, because I just don't think they're that good. But right, so basically, you got nine teams for seven spots: the Chargers, the Patriots, the Bills, the Jets, the Ravens, the Titans. The Titans are in because they're not going to give up the AFC South, uh, and then the Dolphins and the Chiefs. I still think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. Uh, I think they're the best team in the NFL, even if the record doesn't necessarily show it right now. They're only a game behind. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be a dogfight. And again, we talked about this ad nauseum at the beginning of the year. You can't let these games slip away from you because they already let one Pittsburgh game slip away from you. If you lose to a Pittsburgh team, you let the Ravens game kind of slip lose, away too. Uh, yeah, sort of. You were so down not as much as Pittsburgh. Down ten to nothing in that game, though. So I don't know. No, but, but like, you, you walk off field goal, you were within grasp. So it's clo- that's right. Another close I, you're one. close, but like if you if you lose to a team twice that is in line currently for a top ten pick, 
that's a disaster because oh, well, that could you, end up being half Pittsburgh's wins. I mean, right, I exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Pittsburgh, well, it would be half of Pittsburgh's wins if. Well, if I'm they saying win at the end weekend. of the season, it could be too. Eh, I think they'll win another one, but like, um, yeah, you can't let that happen. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I just don't think the division. I mean, you're relying on Baltimore to lose a couple. You've got to beat Baltimore at the end of the season. You got to rely on Cleveland or Pittsburgh. Uh, who they play? I think they're uh, they play uh, Cleveland and. Um, has to win. I think they haven't played Cleveland yet, right? Is that what it is? Who is Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Um, I don't believe. I no, they did. They, they, they played did. one. They, did they played one. Thursday night football. So they have two Monday games against Pittsburgh and one against Cleveland coming up. I think they have they have four division games remaining, and uh, they played one team twice. And I think it's I guess it's Pittsburgh. So the combination. Uh, Baltimore has to lose to. The yeah, Baltimore twice, plays so. Pittsburgh the eleventh, and then New Year's Day. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess you, what you hope, I mean, maybe, is Baltimore to run away with things and then they could, you know, rest on. That's like what I, I Like yeah. I've always said, you know, I think we've said this a couple of times, they rest that last week just to get that extra win. But um, I think the key will be winning these next three because I think all three of these are winnable games. And then that's when kind of the gauntlet starts with the, that Kansas City-Buffalo stretch. Um Right? Because they play Cleveland? Or no, am I doing No, it's, no, no, it's Kansas City. It's Kansas City. I did the same thing with the bye. Damn it. Yeah, it's Kansas City. So three of the next four. Three of the next four. Three of the next four. Yeah, you've... you've worst case, you got to be two and two out of this, I think. I think you got to go three and four to make the playoffs. That's an extra. Three out of four to make the playoffs, you mean? And that's an extra. Yeah. Oh, I agree 100%. And I, you could go two and two because if you go two and two, that would get you Pittsburgh, Tennessee. That would get you through Cleveland. Then you're going to play Tampa... New England. So you're saying they lose to the two best teams in that stretch. You're saying they lose to Tennessee and, and no, I'm saying you can like you can get away with beating, you know, you can get away with beating Pittsburgh and I don't know Cleveland. Lose to or you know flip the the Cleveland Tennessee thing doesn't really matter, but then you can lose to Kansas City. Here, so let's play this out. Let's I'm gonna pull up their schedule right now. So they're five and four. Bengals. We'll get into predictions later, but if if they win six and four, what do they gotta get to make the playoffs? How many wins do you think they gotta get? Nine? And, is it nine or is it ten? Probably ten. I think it has to be ten. With how tight it is, it has to well, be ten. Well, that's the, and that's the thing where wanting Buffalo to win the AFC East comes into play because if Buffalo wins the AFC East. You have the tiebreaker over the Jets and over the Jets and the Dolphins, and you might have it over the Patriots. That's so another, I think that's another you game might you have need to win. nine. If you you might only end up needing nine. So if you beat Pittsburgh, you're six and four with uh, with seven games left. Can you go three and four against Tennessee, Kansas City, Cleveland, Tampa, New England, Buffalo, Baltimore, with one, two? Three, four of those games at home, it's possible. I like. I, I don't know. I, I think this one's massive. If you lose this one, your I think your playoff hopes. Your playoff hopes are taking a big hit. They're not I, gone, but like they're the, they're really hanging yeah, in, the, the, in the balance. The numbers might not show it. I don't think. Like if you look at those like five thirty eight or those like playoff predictions or whatever, like the numbers might not show it because theoretically you could, but like again, you can't lose to Pittsburgh. Like this is. For a, for as bad of a team as Pittsburgh is, this is a this is as close to a must win I think as you get. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the thing about you know what you said about the Bills winning the East and the Dolphins having tiebreaker, that's the thing. Like, 
let's say the opposite does happen, that the Bills don't win the East. It's either Miami or New York, and then it's going to come down to, like, the Bengals and the Bills. Well, here's the thing. Those two tough games down the stretch will be against Kansas City and against Buffalo. The Bengals should be graciously thankful that they're both at home because those are both really tough places to play on the road. Now, let's say you lose to Kansas City. That's the likely outcome because, I mean, I think no matter what else happens, I think Kansas City will probably be – I know you said Buffalo's a top seed, but, man, I think Kansas City is going to be the number one seed. I well, think yeah, because the, the it's run through West, Kansas City. The AFC West is terrible. Like, And that's a big part of it. Which is so weird because at the beginning of the year, we would have been like, God, the a- the Bills are going to run away with the AFC East and the, you know, the it's, AFC it's West wacky is going to be a dogfight. The AFC West is miserable. The Raiders are terrible. Their quarterback is, like, losing his mind. because Chargers lost a winnable game. The Chargers game. lost. Uh, like, the Chargers, I think, are still good. But the Broncos and the Raiders are bad. Terrible. Um, I mean, especially so, like, the, the Broncos. The Chiefs are going to run away with it. So, to me, it's, it's a matter of can you get yourself in, in – a, can you get yourself in a position where you don't need the Buffalo and Baltimore games? Like – where you, you – I'm not saying you tough. have to win. That's like, I'm not saying you have to win everything leading up to that. But you, you got to get yourself in a position where, like, you're not going to screw yourself with a loss. But that's the thing, though, is, like, if you do somehow get to that position where you need to win either the Chiefs game or Buffalo game, you got to win that Buffalo game because if things don't work out the way the Bengals and want them to – That's not a good place to be because Buffalo, like I said, I think they're, that's the best, tough. I think they're the best team in the league. Yeah, and it'd be a miracle. I'm not, well, I don't know if miracle is the right word, but it would take a lot for the Bengals to beat them on Monday Night Football, even at home. Because like I said, it's tough enough playing them at Buffalo. It, it's just as hard, even if it's not that much harder, playing them in Cincinnati. But yeah, you don't want to be in that position. But if you're in it, you'd much rather have to beat Buffalo than Kansas City. Because like, their division's terrible. They're running away with it. They're probably going to get the top seed. But since we're talking about the Steelers, you know, with exception to that week one dud, if you look at the last three or four games, it's been all Cincinnati. They swept them last year. And then in 2020, without Brandon Allen, without Joe Burrow, who had a season-ending injury, they beat him with Ryan Finley on Monday Night Football. Now, obviously, at that point, the Steelers already locked up the division, which feels like forever ago the way they're playing now. But still, I mean, the Bengals beat him in that game. And I know that was 2020, but that brings the point of – as much as the Steelers have dominated Cincinnati really in the last 20, 30 years, are we finally seeing the script flip with a new quarterback, uh, just a lot of new faces on that Pittsburgh team? Is Cincinnati going to be the top dog in this rivalry? And how much could a win Sunday exclamate that if that's the case? Uh, it might have been if they won that opener. I mean, they had swept them last year for the first time in forever. Um, but, I mean, you lose that opener, and, and I think it resets, right? I mean, Does it, though? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you lose a, a winnable game. You can't say you have bragging rights at home. Even if you're the better – yeah, it doesn't matter if you're the better team. You can't be like, oh, well, you know, the we rivalry still, might be changed. Yeah. I mean, they're, it, it, they'll be the higher thought of team for the next 10 years with the quarterback situations, but yeah. um, rivalries kind of, I think, I, I feel like reset every year, especially in players' minds. You know, you ask them – I mean, you know, they don't they don't care. I mean, I mean, they care, but they don't care, right? Like last year was last year. They want to win those games, but they don't. It doesn't stack for them. I don't. Think. Yeah, like I mean, because it's, it's a narrative we we. I think I I agree. I'm glad you said that because like you go around the locker room like. What does Cordell Volson care about the, the Bengals, like the Bengals and Steelers rivalry? Especially as a rookie he, from he North Dakota. Been, or what is a guy that I don't know, DJ Reader, who was in Houston for a good about, chunk of about his three career. years. Yeah, like what? What is? I mean, like I'm not saying they don't care. I'm just saying that like they understand. Now it might matter more for a guy like 
Joe Burrow in five, six years, the, the, the rivalry against Pittsburgh, like, you know, maybe, you know, when it was Ben, maybe Jamar Chase, the guys who were here, the guys who were here, like if you're here for a while, but again, like, I don't know, uh, the, you, you, like the, the rivalry is not, you're not going to notice a change for a few more years because the, I think it's like 70 to 38 or something. It's, 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 it's It's lopsided. lopsided It's very lopsided. So like Mike said. And they beat him in the playoffs twice, the Steelers yeah. did. Like Mike said, Pittsburgh is going to be – or, excuse me, Cincinnati is going to be the higher thought of, highly thought of team just because you have Joe Burrow and God knows what's going on at quarterback in Pittsburgh. Um, but you've got to win, and you can't just, like, win a season, you know, win a season series or even split a season series and be like, hey, guys, it's changing now. So, like, you've got to win – got to win Sunday – and you gotta win big. Like, to, no, not even big. Well, I think if no. you want to, to you make up Sunday, for week but one, then you, but then you to make up win, for week one. No, but then you gotta win next year. You gotta sweep them, and then you gotta you gotta split. Well, we're them. talking about just in the here and now. Later well, the on, here I and agree. now, in the here and now, then then absolutely not. It's not gonna change. Like even if you beat them, you could beat them forty-eight to ten, and not, nobody's opinions of the rivalry long term are gonna change. Well, what if the PAT goes in from McPherson? Then does that point withstand that a 48-10 beatdown with a 24-23 win or maybe, whatever the it, score was? Maybe, but it didn't. I mean, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Like, I don't know. Like, I just I, – I don't think that that's necessarily applicable. Like, I, to me, to me, this, like, nobody's going to – at least not for me. I'm not going to think anything differently – than I was going into the game because like Pittsburgh is a disaster at quarterback. They d- apparently don't know what they're doing drafting anymore because you draft <laughs> a, you draft a running back in the first round. They've had a phobia of drafting offensive linemen for years, uh, good ones. Um, <laughs> their their defense is really good, but like to me, it's more of a trajectory of the franchise thing than a rivalry thing. Yeah, I just think you know obviously the players don't really care with exception to like maybe Joe Burrow and. Jamar Chase, who's obviously was very animated against the Steelers in week one. But I just think for me, like I grew up following this rivalry very closely since I was like, I mean, seven years old. That's when Big Ben won that playoff game in Cincinnati when Carson Palmer tore his ACL. So I've just this this something I've been following. And it's always something that a lot of Bengals fans think about. And of course, when it comes to like sort of the trash talk on the fan side, it's like, oh, well, Oh, the Bengals have won this many, and they swept them last year. And so there, there's points there. There's arguments on both sides. Obviously, week one is a could have, should have, would have situation, regardless of what happens this Sunday and how well it happens, and even moving forward next year and the year beyond. But to kind of wrap up, uh, we haven't done this in a while, so I wanted to kind of bring it back out. But rapid fire Q and A, just uh, kind of a few quick, 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 quick questions for this one. The first one, before I ask it, uh, as you guys obviously know, for those who don't know, TJ Watt will be back. He got hurt in that game against Pittsburgh, against Cincinnati for Pittsburgh. He's been gone since then, but he's back. So with that, does Joe Burrow get sacked more than three times on Sunday? No. Yes. Okay. And then the second question is, there's still no Jamar Chase. So who is going to be the main guy at receiver for the Bengals on Sunday? If you had to pick a name. I'm going to say Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins. Okay, I guess my last question to wrap up is how many yards does Joe Burrow throw for? If you had to say, maybe I guess the better way to ask is does he throw for over or under 350 against Pittsburgh? Under Under 350. Uh, I would say like under. I wouldn't be surprised if it's under 300. So I'm going to say under. Way under for 350. 
What about you? Uh, under, under, under. Yeah. Under. Yeah. I mean, he threw for just about yeah. 300 against Pittsburgh the first time. Yeah, they so also ran like sense. 100 plays. Yeah. Because the Pittsburgh, like they, Pittsburgh, was absolutely on their heels that game. Amen to that. That's that's all fair and that's all valid. And we will see you guys back here on Wednesday as we talk more about what Joe Burrow has to do to cook up a second half comeback this season, specifically rebounding against Pittsburgh. Plus, we'll talk more about the Bengals offense and how they go against a defense that does not have Minka Fitzpatrick. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We'll see you soon.